Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Pros. Casper, I just got a wonderful, wonderful haircut. It looks so good. Thank you. I feel great with it. But I cut off over a foot of hair, and that means my long hair was sort of pulling my curls in one way. And now that I have short hair, I need a totally different hair care routine. Mm. Luckily, Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And so I used the review and refine feature, and I was like, yes, I still want vegan hair care products. Yes, I still want to smell like a lavender field, (laughs) but my hair is no longer long. It is short to medium length. Please send me a different formula of shampoo and conditioner. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash Harry Potter. So you get your free consultation and then 50% off at pros.com slash Harry Potter. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash Harry Potter. Knew he was going to come back, said Hagrid. And Harry, Ron, and Hermione looked up at him, shocked. Hagrid raised his bushy eyebrows at the disbelieving expressions on their faces. No good sitting worrying about it, he said. What's coming will come, and we'll meet it when it does. I'm Matt Potts. And I'm Vanessa Zoltan. And this is a special episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, dedicated to Rubius Hagrid. Matt, our only announcement today is that our Every Flavored Bean conversation is going to be an extra Hagrid moment that we didn't get a chance to talk about in the episode. So everybody, if you want to hear that, if you were like, wait, more Hagrid love, I didn't get enough of it. Go to patreon.com slash Harry Potter Sacred Text. So Matt, we like to take a step back every once in a while and just look closely at certain characters. You know, Simone Weil said that love is attention and attention is prayer. And so we're going to pray here with loving attention to Hagrid. Yeah, Vanessa, I've been looking forward to this episode because you give me some grief for being a Dumbledore defender. And I have some admiration for aspects of Dumbledore's character. I also have some criticisms for Dumbledore. But I think the, the character, at least the adult character, about whom my feelings are least complicated is probably Hagrid. Like Hagrid, I mean, Hagrid makes a mistake sometimes, but he just seems like most straightforwardly 
like the one who's easiest to like almost all the time. Easiest to admire, let's say that. I mean, I like a lot of the grownups, but yeah. easiest to admire almost all the time. Yeah, Matt, I agree. I feel like last time we read the series through with Casper, I got very critical of Hagrid. I saw some things oh, really? in him. Yeah, I saw some things in him that troubled me. I think he often treats the kids as if they're his colleagues and they're not. And I think he has a drinking problem. But on this third, fourth, fifth reading, whatever I am through, I think that my clarifying final opinion on Hagrid is just that he's goodness all the way down. Yeah, I think that's right. You're right about all those things. And I, I mean, I just, I have this like warm feelings in my heart for Hagrid. One of the things we're going to do in this episode is talk about some of our favorite Hagrid moments. And when I was thinking of some of them, they were also sprinkled with these kind of misgivings about times when he does treat the children too much like colleagues or, or expect more of them than he ought to, or he makes bad choices like the drinking problem, which is associated with the danger that he puts Harry into in the first book, right? Like mm -hmm. you're right about those things, but they all seem like genuine mistakes. If yeah. that makes sense, which is, doesn't mean that we excuse them as mistakes. But like when other people mistreat the children, they sort of know that they're doing it and why. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Dumbledore keeps Harry in the dark and he kind of he, he knows he's doing that and he knows why he's doing it. And he thinks that wrong is in the service of a greater good. But Hagrid, when he makes mistakes, the thing that he's doing in the moment, he thinks is for the good of the people he cares about. Or he can't help himself. Or he can't, right. Or he doesn't see that it's not. Right. Yeah. Right. And that just makes him admirable. Which is also beautiful. Right. That's, that's right. Yeah. 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 There's a purity to Hagrid. And also a willingness to like acknowledge that he was wrong. Right. Like. Absolutely. A lot of the good moments of Hagrid are just him like sort of apologizing or like, or like saying, boy, I was wrong about this or I messed that up. I'm sorry. Like he doesn't try to defend those mistakes because what he always does care about most is the welfare of the people he loves. And that, and he, he does try, I think, in every one of his actions to protect that welfare. So, Matt, we each brought two moments that we love about Hagrid or that we think are worthy of attention, not necessarily moments in which Hagrid is, you know, acting perfectly to discuss. And I am wondering if you wanted to talk about yours first, one of yours first. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about one that's kind of loosely related to an a situation you just described, right? In the first book, in the Philosopher's or Sorcerer's Stone, <laughs> we know that Hagrid, his potential drinking problem, or his potential problem with drinking, and also his dear and desperate love for dangerous magical creatures, means that he, for the sake of a dragon egg, reveals some information that he should not reveal and puts Harry at real risk in Hogwarts. And, you know, a lot of what Harry, Ron, and Hermione go through at the end of that first book is because Hagrid made a mistake. And so Hagrid's in the wrong, right? But at the end of that book, he doesn't make that up. I mean, he's sorry for what he does, and he apologizes profusely to Harry for what he does. But he does like the most gracious and loving thing at the end of that book, which is give Harry a photo album of his parents. It's such a beautiful gift to give Harry in the context of what's happened in the book, because the other thing that kind of drew Harry into this situation was the mirror of Harry said, right? And like one of the things we learn in this book, one of the things that's emotionally difficult for Harry and for us as readers is that Harry doesn't know his family. He's been in this abusive household and he gets to see these images in the mirror of Harry said of all these people that he did not get to have and lost. And there's a temptation to be sucked into what he wished had been otherwise. Emotionally, part of what Harry's negotiating is this relationship to what he's lost and how he they can still be part of his life. And Hagrid, at the end of the book, knowing everything that Harry's been through, not just in the past couple of months, but also just as a child who had this all taken from him, compiles all these pictures and gives this photo album to Harry 
And because they're magical pictures, the subjects in the photos are animate, right? And like just gives Harry this gift. Like of all the things that he was longing for in the era said but can't get, mm. Hagrid gives a safer version of that, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like he and and he also knows that that's what Harry needs now. Right? This is what will fill Harry up after everything he's been through. He knows that even in the wake of all the triumph, that Harry's the hero at the end of the first book. Hagrid just knows that there's still this hurt inside Harry that the triumph can't undo and just has this intuition. And, you know, Dumbledore has his lines of wisdom at the end of the first book, which are nice. And I think the first time I read the book, that was the gift I thought he got was Dumbledore's explanation. But the real gift that Harry gets in that book is that photo album, right? And we see it later on, like when Harry's packing up his things because he's trying to defeat Voldemort. This is one of the things he packs because it is his connection to the past. And it reframes the temptation of a particular kind of connection that the Mirror of Eris said suggested or tempted Harry with with something else and that's just like a it's such a beautiful gift from Hagrid and also it seems like it could have come from no one else in the series because no one else would have had the kind of emotional intuition and insight into Harry to know that's what he needed I mean it couldn't have come from anyone else in the series and it literally doesn't right like yeah, right. nobody else <laughs> right. is doing this and they should yeah and Hagrid There's something about the ability to see a child and see what they might need that's just so beautiful. And as much as I complain that Hagrid treats the kids as if they're adults too frequently, he also treats them as kids in these really beautiful ways, in these like deeply, deeply caretaking ways. You know, he doesn't just go and rescue Harry in book one, which we might talk more about, but he shows up with a cake because Harry's a kid who needs pictures of his parents and needs a birthday cake. Yep. And gets Harry a present, right? Like doesn't just get everything he needs for school, but like gets him a present. Yeah. He sees Harry as a child in the way that Harry is a child. And, you know, Mrs. Weasley does some of this, but they are the only two people, the only two adults in Harry's life that are trying to treat him like a precious 12, 13, 14-year-old baby. That's right. They're the, yeah, Molly's the other one who has the kind of emotional intelligence and intuition to know this about Harry. Hagrid's the one that has access to the photos because he knew Harry's parents, right? And also knows that that's where the hurt's coming from and that's what he can give, not to fix it, not not to undo the past, which was a temptation of the mirror, Harry said, but to like, to give Harry some some tether to it, some line to it, so he feels like he is connected to it, even as he goes forward into this, into the future of the next six books of the series. I love that point about the photographs being the closest healthy thing that Harry can have yeah. next to the mirror of Erised, that yeah. that the mirror of Erised itself is actually this dangerous temptation. But a photo album yeah. is a caretaking device. It's not dangerous. If you stare yeah. at a photo album for 12 hours a day, like eventually that will get boring or right. Like that is just like really an act of self-care. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of related to the quote with which we opened, right? Which comes at the end of book four when Voldemort has arisen again and Hagrid's just like, well, this is what we got. We got to deal with it and move forward, right? Like the mirror of Eris said, tempts us with what might have been, <laughs> right? And this is what Dumbledore warns, that you spend all your energy focused on what might have been, you miss what could be or what is happening right now. And like this gift is a different version of what he says at the end of book four, which is like, this is what we have. Let's move forward into what we have and into a future that we can build together. Yeah. Hmm. I love that. Vanessa, what's your first Hagrid moment? My first moment is in a scene that I've talked about before, and I'm sure I will talk about again. It is in one of 
my favorite scenes, not because it's joyful, but because it's emotionally wrought. And yep. that is when Umbridge is arresting Hagrid. And she's arresting him because of his identity, not because of anything yeah. he's done. Yeah, right. And I've paid attention to the scene in the past because McGonagall is just heroic in this scene, right? Like she runs between Umbridge and Hagrid and literally puts her body between the two of them. And I just think it is like an act of such extreme courage. Yeah. It's incredible to me. But I'm going to just read you sections of the scene because McGonagall's heroism has sort of put Hagrid to the background for me. And he's incredible in this scene as well. So the students are taking their astronomy exam. So they are watching this from astronomy tower. So that, you know, the perspective is of children high up watching this unfold. And they've come to arrest Hagrid and suddenly there was a loud bang, right? And then Hagrid's door had burst open and by the light flooding out of the cabin, they saw him quite clearly, a massive figure roaring and brandishing his fists surrounded by six people, all of whom, judging by the tiny threads of red light they were casting in his direction, seemed to be attempting to stun him. And then it's, he was still upright and still, as far as Harry could see, fighting. Cries and yells echoed across the grounds. A man yelled, be reasonable, Hagrid. And Hagrid roared, reasonable, be damned. You won't take me like this. And then McGonagall gets stunned and that is when Hagrid loses it. Cowards bellowed Hagrid, his voice carrying clearly to the top of the tower. And several lights flickered back on the inside of the castle. Ruddy cowards have some, right? And he's still fighting. And he ends up running away. And just, you know, there are a lot of wonderful ways to handle difficult moments. Yeah. And Hagrid... I don't know. I just love that he doesn't stop fighting. He is someone who's been arrested for something he didn't do in the past, which, you know, we've talked about. He's someone who has been mistreated and kept out of society in all sorts of ways. And he's just not going to go down again. And I think that often this is when we judge people for being violent. And if you don't know Hagrid's story, I think that you can be standing on the side of the road and be like, oh my God, this giant is behaving dangerously. But this is a, you know, Dalish tells him to be reasonable. Hagrid is being reasonable. He's not going again. Yeah. And I just, I do, I love that about him. And I love that in the middle of being attacked, he still cares about McGonagall. Yeah. I just think that this is a tremendous amount of courage and a really righteous anger that I love seeing in him. Yeah, I agree. And I think the other thing that I think is very challenging for us as readers who find Hagrid sympathetic and also find Hogwarts in general sympathetic is that what we know, having read through the series, is that this behavior from this version of the ministry is different in degree, but not in kind with the way that Hagrid has been treated since he was wrongly accused so many years ago of opening the Chamber of Secrets when he was a student, right? And so he's had his wand taken away. He's not allowed to practice magic. He can't live in the castle. He lives in a hut. He's separated and ostracized. And there are so many ways in which his whole life has been structured around him being an outsider and not belonging. And so when people show up to enforce something that every part of his life has reinforced forever, like he still stands up against it, right? Like he's, everything in his life has conditioned him to believe that the people who are showing up 
are right about him, but he knows they're wrong and he stands up for what he knows. It's really beautiful. And I think it also like, you know, for us as readers really forces us to reckon with everything he's lived through all those years. Like that this, yeah. that this latest thing that he's standing up to is something that Hogwarts, Dumbledore, other people who love Hagrid, like we love Hagrid, ought to have been standing up to for him on his behalf all these years. Yeah, which is, I mean, why I love McGonagall in this moment, yeah. right? Dumbledore right. sort of watches Hagrid get arrested in book two, and here is yep. McGonagall, rather than saying to Hagrid, Hagrid, go quietly, I'll help you later. Yeah, right, It's just right. like, no freaking way. Yep. But I just love Hagrid doing this for himself, and... I guess it's also a moment where, like, I love his size. I love that he's so big that these stuns aren't bringing him down. Yeah. I'm just so glad that he's so big and strong (laughs) that, like, they can't bring him down in this moment. And that's the other thing, right, which is, like, he obviously has the power to be more retaliatory or or violent in ways that, I mean, he he doesn't have the the same kind of magical powers, right? But he has power. But what he's actually trying to do is keep folks safe, keep McGonagall safe, and keep himself safe, right? And that and Fang and Fang and Fang safe, and so his resistance is unmistakable as resistance, but it's also one which is trying to preserve well-being rather than risk well-being, right? It just reminds me of these great moments of protest, like the Stonewall riots, like the George Floyd protests, where certain people look at it and are like, "This is violent." Right. And it's like, this is finally sanity in response. You know, this is dangerous for the people who are doing it and incredibly courageous and brave. But like, you know, like Hagrid says, it's like not unreasonable. You know, it's these are important moments of resistance. And it's beautiful to see. And you hate that they have to happen. And the violence is borne out on the bodies of people who, you know, have been oppressed in the past and shouldn't have to now deal with violence again. But yeah. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Prose. Casper, I just got a wonderful, wonderful haircut. It looks so good. Thank you. I feel great with it. But I cut off over a foot of hair, and that means my long hair was sort of pulling my curls in one way. And now that I have short hair, I need a totally different hair care routine. Mm. Luckily, Prose is made for people. Not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And so I used the review and refine feature, and I was like, yes, I still want vegan hair care products. Yes, I still want to smell like a lavender field, (laughs) but my hair is no longer long. It is short to medium length. Please send me a different formula of shampoo and conditioner. 
Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash Harry Potter. So you get your free consultation and then 50% off at pros.com slash Harry Potter. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash Harry Potter. What's your next Hagrid moment? One of my favorite Hagrid moments is at the end when Hagrid believes he is carrying Harry's dead body back to the folks defending Hogwarts and defending righteousness. So at the end of book seven, Harry has resigned himself to this final confrontation with Voldemort that he knows he must lose. Like he believes he must die in order for Voldemort to die. And so he walks into this battle with Voldemort. Not even the battle. It's like he's he's letting himself be, um, be cursed and killed by by Voldemort and he walks into it and you know to the knowledge of the crowd he is killed like he crumples to the ground we have this this internal scene inside what looks like an empty King's Cross station with the shade of Dumbledore and this is all the end of book seven right Mm -hmm. but when Harry returns to his body if that's the right way to put it he pretends to be dead and Hagrid who has been captured is forced by the Death Eaters to carry Harry's supposedly dead body back to those defending Hogwarts to kind of show them that their savior has died, that their cause is lost, and now they, the best thing for them to do is just give up and also, by the way, hand over anybody who's not pure blood, because that's the only way forward, right? And I don't like anything sacrificial about it. I don't think anything like, you know, as you and I will talk about when we get to book seven, this is a really complicated scene and deals with issues of sacrifice. And because I'm suspicious of sacrifice, or at least sacrifice understood in those terms, that's not why I like it. There's something about Hagrid carrying Harry, which is like, I feel like the Death Eaters think they're doing something cruel to Hagrid by making him carry Harry back. Mm -hmm. And the only thing Hagrid wants to do in that moment is pick up Harry and carry him back. Right. Just because he loves him. Right. Like not because like and that's this is what the Death Eaters don't understand about love is like it's not it's sad about death, but not not frightened of it in that way. Like he's not going to turn away from Harry because Harry's now dead. He's going to feel the pain of losing Harry because he loves Harry and picking him up and walking with him is torturous, but it's exactly what he wants because he loves Harry. And I think that's just what I that's what I love about it is they think that they're doing the last thing Hagrid wants to do. But it's it's the only thing Hagrid would do in that moment, which is just hold this child who he loves so much and who he loved not as a savior. Although he also believed he was a savior, Mm -hmm. but who he loved as a child. They think that the crowd at Hogwarts will be crestfallen and destroyed because their savior has been lost. But instead, they're defiant and brave because their friend and this child has been killed, right? And so, like, instead of them presenting back the lost savior, what they present is someone they love who they are still going to hold, right? They're still going to hold on to this person because he was more than that to them. And it it just embodies it so well. I think the other thing I like about it is it's in the arc of the seven novels, it's just like this bookend because Hagrid is the one that carries baby Harry to the Dursleys. You know, Dumbledore actually puts Harry on the step, but Hagrid carries Harry from the ruins of his home to the Dursleys. I feel like this, this the idea of Hagrid carrying the one, delivering the child at the beginning and the end in both cases is is just kind of an interesting bookending image. Yeah. Oh, your description made me so emotional. I'm like, I just love Hagrid so much. I think that you're just absolutely right that Hagrid would do the most painful thing if he thought he was doing right by Harry or anyone he loved. And so this is not 
Like as if he would let anybody else pick up that body. Right, right exactly. <laughs> right. Especially a Death Eater, right? Right. Like let anybody treat it with anything other than the utmost respect and care and love. Right? Like that, yeah. And there is just something so beautiful to me about he keeps walking and keeps sobbing. Yeah. Right? The like simultaneity of that, that like yeah. you keep going forward and yet yeah. that doesn't mean that yeah. you don't do it while sobbing. That is just right. incredibly yeah. beautiful. And that, I think, I mean, I, I can't remember exactly, but I, I think also the that's another thing the Death Eaters don't understand. They ridicule it. Right. Right? They ridicule that sorrow, whereas Hagrid just embraces it because the sorrow comes from the love, which is the thing that he grounds himself in, right? Yeah. And I mean, Hagrid in general is someone who, like, feels his feelings and, like, hasn't let society make him feel shame about that. You know what it's reminding me of, Matt, is, like, that you know, very British, like, blitz expression of keep calm and carry on. Yeah. Haggard is sob and carry on. And I, right. <laughs> I just right. like that a lot. <laughs> that, I love that. We, that's, that's a t-shirt. <laughs> right? Keep crying and carry on. <laughs> keep crying and carry on. Yes. Vanessa, what is your second uh, Haggard moment that we should reflect upon? I mean, we've talked a little bit about this in an episode, but I just can't. It's so good. Draco Malfoy calls Hermione, our Hermione, a mudblood. And Hermione's like, I don't know what it means, but it can't mean anything good. And Ron is like so irate that he's vomiting slugs over it. (laughs) And we love Ron's reaction here, right? Like he tries to Chris Malfoy, it's violent. It's not great. But also love his little 12-year-old heart in this moment. And he's just so outraged. But he can't explain what's going on to Hermione. And again, I think that this just shows that we need more than one person. I think that, you know, we, we need Ron's outrage. Hermione needs that. But the other thing that she needs is Hagrid, who, like, calms things down, makes a cup of tea explains as part of the explanation to Hermione what a mudblood is and then says one of the most beautiful sentences in the world there's nothing our Hermione can't do and that our Hermione right like the you're a part of this community and like no one calling you a mudblood can make you less a part of this community and this just like absolute belief in this child and i think he's also reorienting her to an identity of like greatness and he's telling her like hey remember this like you're a great student no matter what people call you this is you are called to greater things and it's just a beautiful moment of love and if i have ever said anything this kind and beautiful in my life. It's just an honor to try to live up to Hagrid in this moment. Yeah. You know, we do close readings on this podcast, and I think that you're right, that possessive pronoun our does so much good work in this sentence, right? Because he he could have said there's nothing Hermione can't do, and that still would have been a really good line. Hermione would have still been moved by it and touched by it, but there's something about phrasing it in the sense that, like, you are part of us, you are one of us, nothing that anybody says about you is going to displace you from this community our Hermione. That, that's beautiful. But the other thing that occurred to me just in light of the last scene you you brought up is that like, despite all the ways in which Hagrid has been marginalized, 
the hour includes himself too, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like there's a, there's also a way in which this statement is like we are part of here, even to those who don't want us, and we belong, right? And so it's not just an affirmation of Hermione; it's also like a softer and more pastoral kind of caretaking version of the thing he will say later in your other scene, which is like, no, I'm not going. I belong. I belong here. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I love that, Matt. And again, I just think that this speaks to, you know, the power of friendship, the power of, you know, we we call it the trio, but there are all different configurations of this group that include Luna and Neville and Ginny and Hagrid. And right, like there are all of these sort of overlapping concentric circles. And this group of four is really special and important. Yeah. One of the things that's hard about book seven is so much of it is just the trio Mm-hmm. Sometimes a duo, but just a trio isolated from all these other folks who are also isolated from each other. And there is something about them all collecting and gathering back at Hogwarts that reinvigorates their collective strength, right? What they're trying to do in isolation. You know, they make some progress in that regard, but it's something about them coming together and being able to lean upon each other in that collective way is realized at the end of that book. Yeah. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So Vanessa, I pulled my kids at dinner last night. We were talking about Hagrid and why we love Hagrid. And so I talked to them about all their favorite Hagrid moments. And they repeated some of the ones that we have already spoken about. But Danny had a fun one. Uh-huh. Danny got a little bit scared, so he hasn't read book six and seven yet. So maybe some of his favorite moments might not have come up yet. Hashtag relatable, Daniel. Cammy and Sammy's came from book six and seven. Danny's moment actually comes from book four. And it's when Hagrid is leading Hidden Harry and Madame Maxime up to see Charlie and the dragons. And mm-hmm. like like these four big dragons are there and Hagrid they just the dragons are cool and Hagrid is cool with it and they can barely control them and they're so powerful and everything, but Hagrid's just like fascinated. Like 
Danny really loved that moment. I think just he thought the dragons were cool, but also he yeah. thinks it's really cool that Hagrid's both excited about the dragons and also not frightened of their power, just kind of invigorated by their power. So yeah. I think for Danny, it was less like a plot event or moment. Yeah. It was more just like a character trait in Hagrid that was realized in this plot moment. Yeah. And there's just something fun and wonderful about watching anyone delight in something. Yeah. And so I love that Danny is loving watching yeah, right. Hagrid be like, wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Right. Yeah, I think identifiable because I think Danny feels like he would be the same way if he showed up for that, right? And he's like, <laughs> totally. yeah, that's, cool. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, Hagrid and I are the same person. That's right. Well, Matt, thank you so much for doing this special Hagrid episode. Can't wait to keep doing these little blessings of certain character episodes with you. Yeah, this is super fun. I mean, I don't know if any of them will live up to our episode on Rubius Hagrid, but we'll try. We'll try. This has been a Not Sorry production, and Not Sorry Productions is a feminist production company. Our executive producer is Ariana Nettleman. We are edited and produced by AJ Yaramas. Our music is by Ivan Paisau and Nick Boll, and we are distributed by Acast. Thanks this week to Lara Glass, Julia Argy, Margaret H. Wilson, Nikki Zoltan, Casper Turk, Kyle, Stephanie Paulsell, Hannah Rehack, Courtney Brown, and, of course, Rubius Hagrid. This one's for you, Hagrid. <laughs>